This is Rugger Matrix America. This is episode 40 with Juro Sen, Alex Goff and Bruce McLean. Today we cross to Europe and catch up with Eagles John Vandergeesen and Kevin Swearen. All ahead shortly. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Rugger Matrix America and it's my pleasure to welcome a guy who's out and about while he's walking around after neck surgery, Bruce McLean. Yeah, Bronk, I'll tell you, I'm not walking around too well and I woke up this morning and it was about 38 degrees and sleeting, so it's pretty nasty around here. Took the kids to school and I don't think I left the house from there on in, so but... Very excited for the show this week. Excellent show we have coming up. Yes, we do. And uh, chiming in from uh, the West Coast is none other than Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going? I, uh, was, I'm pretty excited to, to hear what these guys have to say as well. And, uh, you know, Bruce, I'm, I'm feeling for you because, uh, you know, it's tough to be out and about uh, even when you're, when you're fully healthy. But I know it's been pretty rough, so... Well, it's, um, it's great to speak to you two gentlemen again this week, and uh, we will hear a lot about our two fellows in a, short, in a short moment, so we don't have to talk about that too much. But for the game that is essentially coming up later today, if you get this podcast when it's released, uh, is the Saracens game against the Eagles on tour. And on Rugby Mag, I noticed the tweet going out, keeping up to date with the Eagles side. Alex, what are your thoughts on the first team to play on this tour well i think that the the big message that we got from eddie o'sullivan leading into this was that he had some players he didn't really feel like he'd seen an awful lot of lately he was it's not that he picked them on reputation but he had he had picked them based on on form that he understood the their form to be but he he wanted to see a little bit more of them and so you look at that group and you say well mike mcdonald back in the squad but he hasn't seen him for a while, so you kind of expected him to be in there. And uh, Inaki Basari, who's never played for Eddie O'Sullivan, uh, played at the World Cup in 2007, played in 2008 under Scott Johnson, but then wasn't picked by uh, O'Sullivan, and now he's been brought back in. And that's, that's a pick on you know how well he's doing at L'Aquila uh, in, in Italy. Uh, but but certainly just almost a no-brainer that O'Sullivan would put him in against the Saracens and say, all right, kid, let's see what you've got. And then you've got a bunch of guys who maybe haven't been playing an awful lot. Uh, Mike Petrie at Sale, not been playing a lot for Sale, so we'd expect to see him uh, in there at scrum half. And Paul Emmerich, who's been sort of up and down, got a few looks at Ulster, and then when Ulster didn't need him, he was playing for Malone in the All-Ireland League. And, and his contract actually is up, his short-term contract with Ulster. So he won't be going back there. He's looking for another place to play. Uh, so he's uh, in the lineup there as well. And I, I think um, it, it's a, a, a case of O'Sullivan wanting to have a look at uh, you know, what has he got. And he's been sort of jerked around a little bit. So let's see what Emmerich has. And, uh, Colin Hawley at, at fullback, that's another guy who hasn't been playing an awful lot, did play in the ARC, but um, 
O'Sullivan wants to see him in this group. So you've got a bunch of those kinds of guys who haven't either been playing a lot or O'Sullivan hasn't seen him a great deal. Uh, and then you subtract all the guys who are not going to play on this team. Uh, he hasn't dropped any of these guys. Don't worry. Uh, Sean Pittman played on Sunday, so he's he's not going to play in this game. Takun Gwenya played over the weekend. John Vandergeesen played over the weekend. They're not going to play. Uh, Hayden Smith and Chris Wilds play for Saracens, and so they're they're basically being uh, recused from this entire thing. They don't want to play for Saracens against USA. They don't want to play for USA against Saracens. They just took them out because. Uh, he knows who what he's got there. He wants to have a look at what he's not sure he has. Bronk, this side says to me that the coaching staff and the Eagles want to win the game. Hmm. They put Mike McDonald, 50-plus caps, Chris Biller, Eric Fry, and all Cal front row. I believe they believe in those guys. Eddie O'Sullivan made it clear that he believes in Fry. Scott Lavala. Samu Manoa, he's made it clear in the past that he's believed in them. Tolks has told me that J.J. Mike Tolkien, I, I keep calling him Tolks. Mike Tolkien has told me J.J. Gagliano is a very high tackle count back row player from the Eastern Province. Anaki Basari is six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. Nick Johnson. One of the things I forgot to mention when I had said that uh, about the ARC was Nick Johnson is very. Very good at the base of the scrum. Petri, and I, I, I can't say enough about that kid. I love him. Nese Malifa threatens the line. Zach Test, you've heard Eddie O'Sullivan and Al Caravelli speak about how wonderful he is under the high ball, and I think that that's going to be a lot of what the Saracens are going to throw our way. The Tuliavukas have stated that they wanted to play together. Well, here they are playing together, and I think that's going to be tremendous. Paul Emmerich's got a point to prove, and Colin Hawley has been at fullback for the U.S., and he's going to be a guy who's going to cover in the back three, or, or very experienced back three. On the bench, he put Teal and, and, and Mate Moyakiola, so he plans on, on, on bolstering the strength up front. Louis Stanfield's on the bench. Todd Clever's on the bench. Tim Usas is on the bench. Tyanosa is probably going to get some time at 10, depending on how things are going. Andrew Suniola, who he really loves, is on the bench. That just says to me, O'Sullivan is there, and the rest of the coaching staff and the rest of the players are there. They may say that, oh, this is a game or whatever. It's gonna, we're going to test some people, see some people. That lineup says to me one thing and one thing only. We are going out to try to win this game. And you know what? I'm really happy about that. Is it the 100% strongest side they can put out there? No, but it's also it, it's it's a sensible side to put out there, and it's an extremely strong side with a mixture of youth and experience, and a lot of people have a lot of things to prove. I'm glad that they made these selections. I I I can't even imagine that this these selections could have been any better. This is great. I'm really excited. Well, you know, the, 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 you said sensible, and I, th I think you're right. You know, you, you've got to be sensible about this because they're playing Portugal on the weekend, so they can't use up everybody in, in that sense. But I, I'm just curious. You know, the whole Tui Lavuca brothers thing is funny because they, do, they did want to play together. And, and I don't know what you think about it, Bruce, but it's, it seems like the coaches just said, you know, let's get this out of the way. It, it's fine because Pate is going to be great at inside and Seth is playing great on the outside. So why don't we just stick them on the field together right now? Then they get that done. That sort of b 
boost their their morale. And then we don't have to worry about it anymore, and we can mix them up as much as we want. What do you um, think? Uh, you think that uh, they really care about that, or is it just was it just was it just uh, sort of luck that it happened that way? I I I unfortunately have not spoken to any of the coaching staff, so I don't know. Not not that they would tell me anyway, but I don't know what they were thinking in terms of that. I think that it it, it probably just turned out that way, that that was the best way to do it. Um, possibly because they, I think they wanted to see Emmerich on the wing in that they know what he can deliver in the center. I think they wanted to see Seda Tuliavuka in the center in that they know he can deliver on the wing. Um, I think that they're, you know, Ty, not, not Tyanosa, Andrew Suniula is somebody that they've seen a lot of. So I think they're comfortable with knowing what he's going to bring to the table. So I don't, I, I don't think that they went out of their way to make it happen. It just happened. And, right, and, and yeah, I, could, well, you know, I could be completely, completely wrong. I mean, Bronk, you've actually, you know, you've, you've been in international management teams. And does that ever play a, like, have you seen it play a role, especially in a minor type of game? Like, you know, something where the Lions are playing a, you know, a, a, one of the local province teams. Do they try to do things to reward people or when Australia is playing a weaker side? Like, somebody they're going to beat by 60 or 70, do they do stuff like that? Like, put brothers on the field? Or when you were with the Waratahs, did you ever do anything like that? Or does he think about the center? I forgot the hooker and the, the hooker and the center's name from Australia. Did he think about whether or not those guys are playing together? I, I don't know. As a coach, I wouldn't. I can only remember one occasion when a selection like this happened, and that was against the Barbarians in Wales in 2001, I think it was, when Todai Kefu and uh, Steve Kefu played in the centres together. So there you go, two brothers. But, mate, it was a Barbarians game, so it didn't really matter. I think it. I think it's important that you you know you 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 categorize what kind of game you're talking about here. I don't. I don't think anybody can argue that uh, either of these guys got any charity in this group. And I. And I think that they definitely wanted to see uh, Pate Tuilavuka start a game. We know. We know he's he's pretty successful as an impact player. Well, let's see how much he can do starting. And you know you, you know, Bruce, you say they know what Seto Tuilavuka can do on the wing, which is not be too happy because he's already said he doesn't really like playing on the wing. He's a center. Um, Paul Emmerich says he likes playing in the centers much more than he likes playing on the wing. So I, I think we're, and and Kevin Swearin was a center for the longest time. So I just wonder if they're just still looking around for guys who can can play a good game on the wing. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, Alex, at all levels, I don't think I've. Uh not run into at least three or four players from a test team who obviously are playing outside their favourite position, but they just have oh, to yeah. do it. They just have to do it. Yeah, they're, they're, anybody who anybody who says that they prefer this and prefer that, I don't. I don't think any one of them would say. Well, they prefer they that. Prefer it so much. They prefer that they it. Play. Yeah, they prefer it in a situation where it's probably easier for them to compete. Uh, but when it comes to playing for your national team, when there's only 15 spots on that field, then you have to make the change. But I also applaud players who say they prefer to play in a certain position. You know, I love playing uh, playing fullback and, and hated playing on the wing, but if I had to do it to play in a premiership team, Alex, I'd certainly do it. But uh, I would not begrudge a player from saying that. I think it's important that the player speaks it to his mind 
because it's it's also important where they come from when they approach the game. You know, they're a fullback playing on the wing. That means you might you might as a coach approach selection a little bit a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the other interesting case on this is Eric Fry, who played most of his career in in college not as a prop. He was a a lock and a flanker, and he was made a prop during the middle of not this past season, but the season before uh, at 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 Berkeley at at University of California, and uh, you know the the. Reading between the lines, I got the feeling that he didn't really like it all that much, and he was told by his coaches, "If you're going to go higher in this in this game, you're probably going to do it as a prop." And he still he still worked on wanting to play as a flanker and and, and as a and as a second row. But here he is on the national team, and he's playing prop. And something tells me, um, if you gave him the option of of moving position but changing the jer- the color jersey he was wearing, uh, he, he wouldn't take you up on that at all. Well, I, I always say it this way, Bronk and Alex, I, and we say it to our players, would you rather have the jersey or not have the jersey? It's the way yeah. we look at it. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is you either, either do this or you're not playing, period. So most guys would rather play. And and that's, that's, kind, of the way, that's kind of the way it goes, especially at this level. But I, I understand what you're saying, Bronk, and I'm not going to get into the semantics about that. You, you have to deal with the mentality of a guy who does not want, especially if he's a cancerous type of guy. If he's a cancerous type of guy, especially when you're talking Correct. about fullback and wing, you could have a big issue. So if he's cancerous, chances are we want to cut him anyway, regardless of what position he plays. And guys who aren't cancerous don't care where they play because they understand that there is one time in a game of rugby where the number on your jersey matters. That is in a scrum. That is it. Every other time, there there's multiple roles to be played, short lineouts, this, that. It, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, if you're going to complain about what number you're wearing due to something that happens 12 to 15 times in a game, you're an idiot and we don't want you anyway. That's my feeling on it. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, would, I would stress that, the, I mean, these – None of these guys are complaining about things. I think everybody is very happy to be on the field. I think you know we we've got we've got what five guys on on this squad that pr- play number eight normally on their team and and then now are being moved around different places. They have no problem with it whatsoever. And I expect these guys to give everything they have this uh, you know, Tuesday night. Oh, and I and I certainly don't want to say. I was just saying in general, players like no, that who, who. Now, one of the things I do want to say is that. Not only does the USA want to win this game, it was I, I was shocked when I looked on, on Scrum.com at the Saracens lineup. They're freaking good. <laughs> this is going to be a difficult – because you're thinking like, all right, the Saracens are going to lose players to the national teams where they have their players from, especially South Africa. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But <laughs> – I'm just making a joke there. But the, the – um, yeah, we then, got it. We got it. Then, then they're gonna lose. Then they're gonna lose the players who who played in in the Anglo Welsh LV Cup. So and then they're playing guys against the United States. And then you look at them like, holy cannoli! This team that they're playing is a really first class outfit. So not only do the Eagles have a lot of experience here, and and they're gonna, but these guys are gonna have to deliver. This isn't gonna be a game that they're just gonna be able to go out there and play. They're going to have to go out there and play, pretty much have to play some of their best rugby to be in the game with a, with a puncher's chance at the end. So, and, and, yeah. and, and that's, going to be, that's going to be a real telltale sign as to how does this game, how does this game go. It's, it's difficult because there's, there's been 
guys who've come into camp very late and all that kind of stuff. But this is going to, this is, they've treated this, their selections have shown they've treated this as an important game. At least it said that to me anyway. Where, where, where did you read about that Saracens lineup? Uh, scrum.com. I, I can't, uh, I'm not familiar with it. Anyway, it was on rugbymag.com as well. And, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they, they have some great players. Obviously, Borthwick is leading the yeah, team. Yeah, that's where and, I read it too. Uh, rugbymag.com. <laughs> well, exactly. Juro yeah. knows which side. You know, it, it, Bruce, surfs, on, but... Bruce surfs to the right. USA 7, <laughs> you gotta be there. Oh, I, I can chill something. There are servers on the West Coast. <laughs> Bruce, that's right. <laughs> but I, I think I think they've they've got to go. The the last few times when the USA has played a, a team like this, it's always been in sort of a developmental. Boy, let's get some experience. Let's let's see what we've got here. And I I really do think there's more of an attitude of let's go out and win this. Let's go out and uh, you know not only beat. You know, got some test matches coming up, and those are important too. But let's go out there and prove something to against a bunch of professionals. All right, well, let's find out how they go. And, Bruce, time to introduce our special guests from England. I mean, we can't really have two better guests on our program. Having having Kevin Swearen, who's playing for Argent in France in the top 14, has two tries, to his, two tries under his belt already, and the interim captain for the Churchill Cup, who we were unable to get when, when we had a few technical difficulties during the Lewis Stanfield show, John Vandergees, and a real true cowboy, a guy who a guy who is now playing for Bath in England and actually had his, his first start in the um in the Anglo Welsh Cup against Cardiff. And I will say I, I was fortunate enough to watch that game and I was very proud of the work ethic that John showed in that game and I'll tell you it was it was really tremendous to see and, and and he had said a couple of things to me over instant message that we'll bring we'll bring to the forefront about how how proud Bath is of their defense and and how they haven't given up a try and one of the things that, that John did was really hustle back about 50 60 yards make some cover plays unfortunately Cardiff did score but Bath did win by 10 points in a very difficult in very difficult conditions both teams tried to play rugby so without further ado let's bring our friends in and and, and John and John and Kevin, we are really glad to have you from over across the pond in Eagle Eagle Country. That's going to be this is terrific stuff. And we'd like to start with you there, John. You know, you rugby's yeah, really take rugby's taken you all over all over the world. You you've been you've been to France, you've been to Australia, you've been to New Zealand, you've been to to Denver, you've been to parts unknown, and and. What is it about the game of rugby that when you were introduced to it made you fall in love with it and really immediately embrace the the trying to be excellent, like the, the quest for excellence in rugby through travel? Well, you know, my, my first season uh, at the University of Idaho, I just – I said, oh, this is this is really interesting to me. I think that, um, you know, I want to pursue this. Uh, quite heavily, so I just said, "Well, where where do they play this? Uh, you know, for real, uh, and it's definitely not in Idaho at, at that time, at least. Uh, it's getting a lot better. Um, so I I did some research. I found out that the World Cup uh, was uh, the next year in uh, Australia. So I enrolled myself at the University of Queensland and uh, uh, informed the the club that I'd be coming down there to play as well uh, with those intentions and. Uh, 
you know, that was, uh, I just, I dove right in and, um, I wanted to learn as much as possible as quickly as possible. And, uh, that was, that was eight years ago and, uh, things, uh, things scaled, uh, quite quickly. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. And then, and then you went to, and then you went to New Zealand and you, and you made an NPC side at North Harbor and, and, and now you are where you're at and well, you came back to Denver a little bit and then now you are where you're at in Bath. Could you just tell us a little bit about the experience that you're having at the Bath Club? Because really from, New, you know what, I want to back up a step. There was a time in your life when you said about four years ago that a nutritionist completely changed your outlook toward how you fuel your body and work out and recover and, and add to part of your athleticism. Can you, can you at least talk us through some of that and how important that is in, in your daily routine? Absolutely. Um, you know, before, before I started to figure out that I needed to make changes, I thought, I really truly thought that my diet was okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was mistaken, uh, <laughs> to say the least. And, um, you know, at that point in time I was, um, you know, sort of 220 pounds, uh, you know, struggling, uh, uh, you know, size and power wise on the field and, uh, just needed to make some changes and, uh, you know, met with a nutritionist and, um, you know, it, it's a lot of things. It's, it's a very dynamic thing, nutrition, but it is arguably the most important thing because, uh, you can train all you want and, you know, uh, sort of hone all these skills, but if you don't have the fuel to, to, to execute, then you're just not going to, and you're not going to perform at a higher, at a higher level. And, um, you know, I was able to figure out, um, you know, what times I needed, uh, specific, uh, things and, and what amounts and ratios and, uh, you know, really get down to a, a better science about it. And, uh, you know, since then I've had extremely, uh, uh, positive results and, um, you know, I feel, I feel great. I feel the best I've ever felt now. I'm the heaviest I've ever been, you know, I'm up to uh, 255. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm also the fittest and cardiovascularly, I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm the best that I've been as well. So, uh, and I, and I, I give it a lot of that, uh, to, to nutrition. Absolutely. If you could give like some of our younger listeners and some of our senior coaches, three or four tenets of nutrition that you would, that you would, um, say would be very beneficial real lifestyle changes that people can make you know you you were speaking to me about lifestyle changes that i can make after my neck surgery that uh could perhaps you know knock me into uh into into a a, a different level of of fitness and a different level of of energy yeah absolutely um i think that uh throughout the day you definitely have to have uh, fuel in you all the time, especially as an athlete, because if you are ever hungry, then you're already losing a battle. In my opinion, um, I think that, uh, pre and post workout is extremely critical. And I think Kevin would definitely agree with that. Um, after workouts, if you don't have something, uh, within a 30 minute time frame, then you're losing a lot of what you've already done in a training. Um, and, uh, you know, beforehand as well, you have to go into it, you know, fueled up as, as well. Um, as far as, uh, you know, specifics, you know, you need to start reading labels. Um, uh, you need to know what you're putting in, in your body. And, uh, you know, you can, you can dig pretty deep and, um, uh, I'm still, 
I'm still learning, you know, I don't know everything and I don't think I ever will learn, learn everything nutrition wise, but you just have to uh, always continue to uh, try to evolve and, uh, you know, find, uh, find the next advantage. I, I want to go and I want to switch, switch gears to Kevin Swearing now, because Kevin, you took, uh, you took a, a, a bit of a different pathway to the United States team than, than, um, than John did. You played, you went to St. Mary's College to play football. They got rid of the football program, and you were a big boy, and you went out for the rugby program where two of, two of my close friends, Tim O'Brien and John Everett, co- coach, and, 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 and a lot of your players that you played with are, are very successful in, in the domestic scene and, and, and in, the interna- you know, in the international scene. They're starting to get a bit more prominence. And and then you're also your first track in was through the sevens program with with um with Al Caravelli and and could you just talk us through what attracted you to rugby? I mean, because you know Tim Tim has been a highly successful guy. He's pretty pretty demanding guy. And then you know Johnny could be Johnny could be a bit you know Johnny's a tough guy, a bit of a gruff guy. And 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 you know what attracted you to rugby? What made you want to get in and really embrace this game because because I remember the first time I saw you with the ITTs and 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 I sat there with Mike Tolkien and and we talked to Tim and Johnny after and Tony Smith were like whoa this guy's got some step on him man this guy's subliminal step it's pretty good stuff so you could talk us through some of that yeah no thanks uh no I I really it took me a little bit of time to really embrace rugby like initially when the football program went down I was Still waiting to kind of look at other schools to go play, and uh, I ended up staying at St. Mary's for a year and waiting around. And a couple buddies were just say, "Hey, come out, check it out, see how you like it," you know. And I needed to keep running around. I was working out real hard, trying to stay strong and keep my speed up. So I, it was almost a route to just stay fit and keep competitive. Um, but then I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the style of the game. The 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 demands of the skill for of players and obviously the coaching um, was was awesome and they really embraced me um, never pushed me and never asked me to do too much so um, I really credit a lot of my success to Tim and Johnny I I don't know if I would be where I'm at right now with without them I was just so lucky that I was out of football school that they were at coaching great rugby program so. Um, they they were the fuel to the fire of rugby, and I, I never knew what I could what I could achieve in rugby without without them without Tim pushing me and and letting me know what was available. So um, yeah, it took about two years for me uh, going at St. Mary's, and um, then I really started saying like, hey, I might have a chance to actually do something with this. So um, and then it kind of took off after that. Well, was it very valuable? And, and this is for the this is for the coaches. Tim and Johnny play running rugby. They're from the old Blues uh, of who who had very storied club history in um in California and, and in the U.S. club scene. I think six or seven national championships, and they they pride themselves on playing running rugby. Are you? Yeah. Do you think that that's the reason that you fell in love with playing this game? And had you played on perhaps another team that 
played a little bit more of a, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, a, a Northern Hemisphere UK style that you, you may not possibly be in the game at this moment? Um, I wouldn't put it so much on style. Yeah, of course, I love the style. I scored as many tries when I was playing flanker for St. Mary's as I did playing center. So, yeah, of course, I love the style. But I wouldn't put it so much in the style as the, the trainings and the coaching um, because we do something new at training every day. Like, there's a new drill. There's a new system. There's a new something that we're doing, and it keeps it interesting. And they just know how to keep you uh, involved in the game and understanding what's going on. Uh, you know, they don't teach you, like, you have to do this and this in this situation, but they teach you you have options in every situation, and they don't say what that you have to do something. They, they say you can do anything you want, really, and it's a game of decisions on the field, not decisions before um, or after, for that matter. I might chime in here about a World Cup question. To you, John, first, you mentioned 03 in Australia, and then, uh, you know, Kevin, I wanted you to answer it as well. But the the lure of playing in the World Cup, it's something that um, a lot of sports in America don't offer, uh, even the elite sports. So you have football, uh, which is pretty much North America bound. But when you look at rugby and the global reach now in the Olympics, it's really something special in a team sport. Yeah, when I when I started, like I say, and I went to Australia, I was Jewish. I was just doing something to uh, to travel, to uh, to be active. You know, not to um, different from Kevin's situation. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a long time until, um, you know, quite a few years later that, uh, I actually, you know, thought the same thing that, Hey, I might have something here and I could, I could turn professional. But, um, you know, in the eight years that I've been playing, I've been very impressed with, you know, the direction that you, the U S, uh, uh, rugby market is headed and, um, with the Olympics and, uh, you know, with the world cup getting a little bit, uh, more press in the States, um, you know, it's it's very exciting, and I I do think that there's a there's a lot of young uh, rugby players out there that realize that uh, you know they could they could put on that jersey. Yeah, you, Kevin. Yeah, for me, like any time I put on that jersey, whether it's you know with the U.S. team and 15th team, it just it's such an honor, you know. And um, there's not like you said, there's not many sports you can play in the U.S that you can represent your country unless it's for the Olympics and rugby is one of them in 15 and now seven where, you know, you get that opportunity every year and uh, just playing in the world cup is something that, that, you know, it can be gone in an instant and you just got to embrace the, the challenge and the road towards it and, and hope that everything works out. You know, you, you never know what's going to happen. And so, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just an amazing opportunity to even be considered for that. So uh, as you guys get together in your rooms, uh, does the talk sort of head towards New Zealand next year in the conversations? John? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I had the opportunity to captain the side, you know, I always, I was uh, continually reminding, uh, you know, the squad what we were here for and what we're building towards. And I think it's very important because I was I was lucky enough to be uh, involved with the with the 07 uh, tour, and um, I saw 
I saw the growing pains. I saw the transition and um, sort of this metamorphosis that we went under, and it was quite amazing. And uh, undoubtedly, this is uh, already happening and has been happening with with this side as we move towards next year. And uh, the boys are very well aware of uh, the importance of every day that we have together because, you know, uh, looking at this tour right now, this is all we have until next June. Um, so we're we're taking advantage of it um, uh, to the fullest, really. I got I got a question, and and it's actually a, a statement and a question. The reason I respect both of you guys as players is that you have an an un, uncanny amount of hustle that is part and parcel to your game, uh, Kevin. There were some plays that you made in the Churchill Cup and in, and in, in the games against in the games in the against the um, Munster and Argenet over over the over the course of times where you where you made a stop, made another stop, picked up, scored scored points and the 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 level of hustle that you have in your game and John, I mean you ripped my heart out and and chucked it into the into the Long Island Sound on in two thousand nine when you flew across and made a cover tackle against Justin Hunley, who's a a, a multi-capped international sevens player, and you chased him down and smashed him into next week at the try line, and and then I saw you this week against against Cardiff, hustling back fifty yards to almost a short breakaway, and and you just you never gave up. There's no give up in you, but at some point, they, I mean, both of you have had a very interesting track as to where you're going. There had to have been a time somewhere during your rugby careers where you said, you know what, I've had enough of this. And, and I can't take this anymore. I'm not making any money. There's not a lot happening. I'm traveling all over the world. I'm getting hurt. You know, this is going nowhere. And what, what is it that brings you back? What, is, what part of the love of the game brings you back to it? And did that ever happen to you? I, I mean, I would imagine it, ha- it has had to have happened at some point, even if just for a day or two. Yeah, well, for me, I'll answer first. For me, you know, I'm a little bit younger than John, or you know, and I've been around uh, an, an, at least long enough, though, to have that feeling. And, yeah, like you said, it might be for a day, it might be for a week, but what always bring, br- brought it back for me uh, is playing. Whenever I step on the field, it's like <laughs> – it's just, it's perfect. It, it just, it's why I play like that competition, stepping on the field. And it doesn't matter what it's, who it's for or what it's for. If it was for, for beach, you know, when I played super league for beach, a couple of games, like, Oh, this is why I play the game. Like there's such passion in even the club level super league, you know, and then if it's playing for sevens, if I'm just burnt out, it's the end of tour. But then we get to the weekend and we play our last tournament. It's like, man, this is why I play the game, you know, and it's just so nice putting on that jersey and just competing and, and looking across the field sometimes and saying, I'm going to beat that guy right now, you know, and that feeling, uh, you know, you don't get that. Guys play high school football and high school basketball and, you know, they miss it. That's why they play uh, co-ed softball when they're still older because they miss that competition. John, how about you? Well, um, yeah, for me, you know, you're always chasing that perfection that Kevin touched on and you, you never do find it. Um, but you know, I just, I seem to have this, uh, this drive to, you know, try to, try to work harder. Um, try, try to, uh, 
try to make it to wherever I need to make it to. And uh, me as a player, mentally, I seem to have, uh, uh, you know, the good guy and the bad guy on my shoulders talking to me quite a bit. And, um, you know, I, I do I do have a lot of mental battles, even on the field. Um, and I, I'm not sure if that – I hope that doesn't show, really, but uh, I do have them. And, uh, you know, I have one side saying that, you know, I'm, I'm tired. You know, I can't, I can't go anymore. I can't make it to that. And, um, you know, thankfully – uh, the majority of the time, I don't listen to that side, and uh, the other one uh, takes over. But um, yeah, um, I, I have had quite a few times off the field um, in my eight years where you know I've sort of had to step back and evaluate where I'm headed uh, with rugby because you know um, it's tough as an American, and and you know everybody knows that um, we have the passport issue uh, going against us. Um, you know we have a sort of generalizations, um, you know, and, and stigmas about us that um, can be negative sometimes. And um, it's, uh, it's pretty hard to conduct yourself in a, pre- a professional manner while being domestic in the States and not making uh, a professional income. And, you know, as everyone knows, there's not a lot of employers out there that are going to let you go away for 50-day tours, um, you know, two-month tours, one-month tours, and give you health benefits and, uh, you know, all these things and, and a, a security and income to come back to when you're finished. So, uh, absolutely, you know, and, and when I've had those, uh, those times, uh, uh, thankfully I have, uh, my home state and, uh, you know, I've got agricultural work that <laughs> I can go back to and, uh, let my mind, uh, sort of, uh, turn over and, um, figure things out for a while out, out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, then, uh, you know, it's always, allowed me to come back to rugby and um, I'm thankful for that. John, what are some of those uh, stereotypes that you have to fight against? What's the first thing you have to prove when it comes to the training ground or speaking to a coach overseas uh, that you have to rail against and, and say, hey, you're wrong, I can do this. Do you have to show, uh, do you have to show skill first or do you have to show the work ethic? What do you, what do you have to show? Skill. Skill, number one. Skill. Yeah. For me, 100% skill because uh, uh, we everyone knows that Americans we we got the athletes, uh, we got the size, we got the we got the we got the intelligence. I mean, we have the knowledge of, uh, about sport in general, um, but uh, just rugby specific skill. Yeah. yeah, and I would agree 100% with that. Uh, there's nothing there's nothing more you can prove someone wrong with in your skill or knowledge of the game. And uh, that's the only way you got guys like Johnny and, and Takuza and Todd going, you know, and Chris Wiles, everyone going, playing at their respective clubs. And when they show their skill and they show how good of players they are, um, that, that, that takes a, a whole club realizes, wow, these guys can play. And they kind of change their mentality about Americans and the U.S. players. And that builds a future for for younger kids, maybe, hopefully, to go to these clubs or go to other clubs in the same competition. So say if you're playing, um, if you're doing a warm-up session and uh, you're doing a bit of touch rugby, you know, do you have a bit of fun with it? And Is that a chance? Because I know coaches who pay attention to those little sessions. Uh, sometimes players think they're not, not paying attention, but they do pay attention to, to see whether you've got that peripheral vision, the ability to use the ball, that sort of thing. I mean... Every time you're on that training paddock, it, it, the coaches are watching, aren't they? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, 
you know, at least in my experience at Bass, um, uh, you know, every every one of our training sessions, they're taped and they're sports coded. And even if that coach doesn't see you right then, he's going to see you later that day on tape. And uh, so, you know, at, at this level, yeah, you, it, it's fun to do something, you know, in touch and show the boys that you have a little bit of spicy sauce or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but the biggest thing about it is, being consistent at this level if you're not consistent at this level uh you're gonna fall out of favor i mean everybody has a great game but it's the people that have good games consistently and if we're gonna single somebody out you have to say chris wilde the reason why chris wilde uh, is who he is in world rugby is because he is consistently one of the best in the world at what he does yeah i'm looking at this list of the touring squad to europe the Eagles squad you know, and there's a really good uh, infusion of American players around the world, from Japan to you gentlemen in France and, and at Bath. It really is the way forward, surely. And I know Eddie O'Sullivan said the same thing, trying to get players in contracts overseas, professional programs are playing against the best. Absolutely. There's a few sides to it as well. There's a side that's that's current where, you know, we're obviously preparing for something uh, bigger than all of us, which is the World Cup. And, uh, you know, we're trying to make uh, uh, lives for ourselves um, individually and, um, you know, just be, get an experience and, and, and be better rugby players. But we're also sort of, uh, I like to think of it as paving, paving a way for more guys to come across and to... Uh, well, you're breaking down uh, some barriers. The more, the more players that play overseas, you, you break through those stereotypes we talked about. Well, that's just exactly it. That's the importance. You have, I look at it at three levels. You have, you have to play great as an individual for your own individual goals, but then you have to play great for your team. And the, it's not just the team of, say, 27 here now. It's USA rugby or the USA team going forward. And then, just like you said, it's that third level of guys not even in the system, you know, young kids, uh, have the opportunity to do what we do and as long as we excel beyond expectations then those kids will have their chance uh someday john you you were you were mentioning and i, I think that that's incredibly important is it's just it's just like anything it's like you know <clears throat> it's almost like being from a high school team that puts a couple guys in a division one college football college basketball program if those guys perform and the other guys get a chance or if a college team gets a kid drafted into the NFL, if those guys perform, then those other kids will get a chance. And very similar to what we have here, you know, guys like Dan Lyle and Dave Hodges, they performed and then other people got a chance. And then there was that the whole passport issue really screwed us up there for a few years. So you guys, you guys now are basically paving the way for the next set of guys. But one of the things I wanted to talk about is, is John, you're having an incredibly positive experience at Bath from the workout room to the training ground to basically everything about the club from the way they set you up from when you got there. Can you just tell us about that club and what makes it special and what's giving you, you know, such a tremendous opportunity to grow as a player? Absolutely. Well, um, you know, everybody knows a little bit about Bath. Uh, I think that they're one of the more well-known clubs around the world. 
Um, but you know, from uh, from their beginnings in 1865, uh, they've uh, they've come a long way, and now it's a club that is extremely ambitious. Um, and their model, to you know, from my from my perspective, their model as a club is is so progressive it's unbelievable and you know it's almost hard to put into in uh, words in uh, in a podcast but uh honestly they're just there's a lot of transparency um you know the administration the coaching uh strength and conditioning medical staff players everybody's on the same page you know we have uh we have meetings uh and everybody from all parts of the organization shows up to that meeting so we all know uh, about you know the different areas of 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 the the club and how we function and how it works and it's uh you know it's it's a it's a living uh breathing thing and we all know uh what we're moving towards and uh they're like i say very ambitious in a number of areas and um you know on a daily on a daily routine for me um from the word go it's um you know it's it's uh professionalism all day and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard work, but it's enjoyable. I wake up every day in Bath. I'm glad to be there. I can't wait to get out there and try harder, do more. And um, uh, it's, it's paying off. Um, so it, it, it's just a great, it's a great, it's a great uh, environment for me right now. You've got some great experience there in the coaching staff and in the, the other players too, like Dave. David Flatman, one of the funniest blokes I've ever met. Uh, you must have some great times with this group of players as well. <laughs> yeah, the boys are pretty cool. Um, you know, Lewis Moody, Danny Grucock, um, uh, Ollie Barkley, uh, you know, Banahan. Um, you know, there's a lot of names there. Uh, you can go on and on and on. Um, you know, we have some Luke Watson, um, uh, Clawson, Dixon, we got so many guys. It's just amazing, and um, they're. Are you learning? A lot, are you learning a lot from them? <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, you know what's great is is they they're not treating me, uh, you know, like a, a special case. You know, they they know that I know the game. Uh, that you know, they know that I'm uh, I'm I'm serious about what I do, and uh, you know, they know that uh, I bring something to the table, or else I wouldn't already be there. Um, so, so that's nice. Um, I really appreciate that. And, you know, you can't, uh, you can't deny being around guys, you know, in the second row, like, um, Peter Short and, uh, Danny Grucock and, um, you know, uh, all the other boys, it's, um, you, you, it's priceless. It's, it's great. And, uh, you know, every day I learn something different and, um, yeah, it's really good. Um, absolutely. Actually, one of my good mates is leaving there, uh, Who's Charlie Higgins, the rehab man, and uh, he, um, he he's he's a wonderful fella. How do, how do you go with him? This is a bit of inside baseball. Oh, it is a little bit inside baseball. Charlie uh, Charlie's a good guy. Uh, we had a we had a couple of good laughs uh, before he left. So uh, <laughs> I, I wish he out. He put me. You know, he was a. You know, when I was there, he he was uh, helping me out when I first arrived in the gym, and uh, you know, it's. You know he's he's so he's so into it just like the rest of the strength conditioning boys and you know Dave Williams here at the USA camp he does a lot for us and you know to give you an idea uh, I have my own personal Dave Williams at Bath uh, <laughs> so uh, that kind of one-on-one training uh, you know the 
the uh, the hydration tests that are daily. Uh, you know the all the nutrition, uh, recovery, multivitamins, uh, everything is there. You know, just at arm's reach for the whole day. So um, you know, it's it's not to get better there. You know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just to be clear on that, Charlie Higgins uh, from Australia uh, moving back to the Western Force, uh, helping players to recover from injury and get them back as fast as possible. It's a really important part of the game, isn't it? Not only just um, keeping fit, but when you are injured, getting back in a timely manner, but not only just getting back, but getting back at 100%. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, at, at past clubs, they didn't really put a lot of emphasis on, on getting the best care for players and bringing them back as quickly as possible. And once they're healed up, they they have really a seamless transition back into playing and um, uh, Bath is um, Bath is on on the ball with that and uh, you know fortunately I've gotten through uh, my time there with no uh, no serious uh, uh, niggles but uh, yeah it's it's um, there, it, it's hard not to um, you know <laughs> get better every day there like I say. It's just, uh, <laughs> Can you talk us through about a little bit about the what the physicality is like, or what a you know say you play a game on a Saturday and you're playing a game the following Saturday, what the Bath professional players week is like, and and what exactly is happening, and how much how much physicality do you have in practice, and then and then we're gonna switch a little bit to Kevin and 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 find out the difference of what's going on in France. I'm sure that I'm sure that you and Kevin have already spoken about that. So and I'd be interested to hear what Ajan is doing as well. Oh yeah. Well Kevin and I have liked to exchange some stories, you know, when I was at Albi and, you know, now that he's at Ajen. And um, you know, I've I've also uh, had a couple of discussions just about the, the differences between the premiership and the top fourteen. But uh you know um we have some quick turnarounds in the Premiership, and there's a lot of games. It's a long season. Um, you know, we have uh, five, six-day turnarounds sometimes. And, you know, uh, Steve Meehan and the rest of the coaching staff, they expect us to be switched on when we get on the field. And the Premiership is no doubt uh, uh, very heavy uh, in physicality. Um, and you have, to be, you have to manage your players correctly, and I think they do an excellent job. You know, we definitely have plenty of time to – uh, step away from the pitch, get our feet up, uh, get our bodies right and our minds right. And uh, I think that shows because, um, uh, you know, our, our injury rate isn't very high and uh, it can be extremely high in the premiership. And that's just uh, one of the facts about that league. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's good. They, it, we're, we're, um, we're expected to come switched on. And, uh, and so far since I've been there, we do. Kevin, could you talk us through what a week is like at Agen and, you know, what's the physical? I'm, I'm, I mean, I know that culturally the French are far more physical training than, than perhaps most of the other nations. Uh, if you could talk us through a little bit of that and, and what it's like for you, as, especially as a, as a back three player. And have you gotten a chance to play in the midfield at Agen? Because there's a lot of people who speculate that although you are a world-class winger, and who who is performing? That you might even be best in the midfield, or most. Yeah. Uh, well, to start off with the, your first part of the question about our week, it's um, it's pretty it's pretty uh, uh, main it's maintained pretty well. Um, our coaches uh, keep a good eye on players. Our physio does as well, and 
you know, if there's something wrong, they hold the guy out. Uh, we're not doing full contact uh, every training session. You know, we they're looking after the body. They understand how hard the games are on the weekends. And uh, contrary to what other guys have told me, um, you know, about having full scrimmage sessions twice a week, you know, we don't do that at Algen. And, and so that's really, you know, it's nice. It takes a toll on, on that. Uh, but uh, it, it's professional. It's, it's nice. Uh, you know, we do fitness sessions, gym sessions, uh, film sessions, just like uh, I'm sure all the clubs. Um, but it's definitely the facilities is probably where it lacks the most compared to the premiership. Um, if anything, you know, so, um, and then as far as your other question about playing center, no, I haven't got any time at Algen yet. Um, we have some pretty, uh, world-class centers there and I, I don't think they're going to, uh, be needing me at center anytime soon. <laughs> Although we did get down to two centers at one point and I kind of mentioned to them, Hey, I play center. And, uh, they said, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, um, but I ended up getting, uh, I ended up actually getting about 15 minutes in one match, uh, cause one of our centers did get injured, uh, but not in any trainings or anything else beyond that. So. Well, that's terrific. And, 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 and fellas, uh, uh, Kevin, I got a, a just a, a, a quick question for you. It's a world cup year. It's, it's a Churchill cup year. You're playing in the top 14 or, is sevens kind of are, are you going to be out of the sevens loop for now, or are you going to try to are you going to try to go back to the USA sevens where you propose to your girlfriend now fiance, and are or are you going to uh, or or are you going to kind of put sevens on the back burner for a little bit? <laughs> Well, I like that uh, you can throw that <laughs> me as my fiance. I love that you added that in there. I, and, and for those of you who haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. You can check it out all you want. <laughs> I got enough grief about it from uh, everyone, but no, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, we don't have a date yet, by the way, so we're still talking about that. Uh, <laughs> No, seven for when I signed my contract with Ajan, they uh, specifically stipulated that I wouldn't be able to play sevens anymore. Um, you know, they want me around, and it's just uh, it's too hard of a season. Uh, the top fourteen to to take off uh, tours and and ask. So uh, right now, to answer your question, yeah, sevens is on the back burner. Um, you know, I do hope that at some point uh, I will get to play another sevens tournament in my life uh, for the USA. Uh, uh, and that's all I can really say about that. I mean, I don't know when that will be or, or what, but I hope that opportunity arises at some point. Uh, maybe you, Clever, Emmerich, and, and a couple of the other guys who've, been, who've gotten out of the sevens circuit due to 15s or whatever can have like – remember when Rocky and Apollo Creed it, it had that kind of fight where they were by themselves in the gym. Maybe you guys can go out and have a game against the current team with the former team, the guys who, who are no longer able to play. And that could be your last game, kind of yeah, like a. That could be a good, uh, like, fundraiser event. That would be something fun to, to, to. Maybe you should head that up, Bruce. 
Yeah, I was just saying Petri and I are really interested in that fundraiser match. Um, you know, Caravelli has approached Petri and I numerous times, but um, uh, for different reasons. But uh, uh, we've both uh, had the All right. Um, look, last couple of quick questions because, uh, as we know, the Skype line was is not always going to be faithful to us for the full duration. So one from me, the benefits of this tour, the Saracens game this week, but uh, is it invaluable first, John? Absolutely, on a number of levels, um, uh, in no particular order. <laughs> uh, exposure, um, you know, we're going to be in the heart of London. Um, uh, I've been informed that the, the, the grounds are beautiful. Uh, there's going to be plenty of people there, a lot of uh, uh, people that are well-versed in, in the sport, and um, uh, there's going to be, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people watching um, and a lot of possibilities for players that are, you know, in that 22 tomorrow. Um, you know, uh, just what we were sort of touching on earlier about uh, changing perceptions and generalizations about American rugby players, and um, that's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and it's a it's a good uh, it's a good thing for the squad, uh, you know, to sort of uh, get a warm up um, before we head to Portugal. Um, and the Saracens are going to put a, a very very difficult team out, I'm sure, as they um, as they always will. They're an, an excellent side, and uh, you know, watching Hayden. Uh, the uh, the other day, um, you know, the Eagles went to watch Hayden play in a in a LV Cup, and uh, you know, they saw the kind of uh, the kind of players the Saracens have. So that's going to be an excellent matchup for us, and uh, definitely we'll be watching from uh, the sidelines uh, uh, eagerly. Um, but um, it's 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 a great opportunity. Uh, yeah, as far as the Saracens match, it's it's. Like John said, it's a great opportunity for, especially some. There's some young guys on uh, first times on the team to get a chance to showcase what they got and to push for positions, and also to push, you know, the veterans as well uh, uh, to kind of really sit, you know, put their hand up and say, "No, I am the man." So um, it's nice to have that, uh, you know, that feeling of uh, not just the 15 and not just the 22, but we have 27 strong players here um, pushing for spots. Um, and so that that Saracens match will have a good opportunity to show that, and the tour in general is just it's a, it's an opportunity to not only get some wins but get some good wins, and uh, it's like Johnny said before it's it's this is a big buildup for for the World Cup. You know we don't have anything till June together as a whole group, and um, these these matches are very very important for us uh, for. Our, our structure, our systems, our mentality, our physicality, all of it. So uh, really looking forward to a successful tour. Uh, guys, I just wanted to say thank you very much for coming on the show. There's nothing really further to to speak about. I, I wish you the, 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 the best of luck, and I, I, and I know that you're going to perform well. I know that you guys have been all working hard, and, and, and we're really pulling for you back in the United States. And I'm sure you got your goals. And 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 one thing we can say for 100% certainty is that we are with you as a rugby nation and as a fan base. And good luck with everything. And thank you very much for coming on the show. I know it's very late at night there, and it was very very gracious of the two of you to be on the show. And and we appreciate it. And and good luck with everything. And we'll be speaking to we'll probably be speaking to a few of you over the course of the tour. Get a you know get a get a couple of perspectives as to how things are going on, but good luck with everything and and 
And, you know, Dominus tackle, Dominus tackle, Dominus tackle, and Kevin score a lot of tries. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, one more thing before we go. Just want to, uh, Kevin and I and the rest of the squad want to uh, invite uh, everybody listening to please donate to uh, Movember, uh, Movember.com. And uh, the, uh, the U.S. team is under uh, Eagles XV uh, for uh, the Movember uh, campaign, growing mustaches for uh, men's uh, health issues and Prostate Cancer Foundation. So uh, give what you can. Oh, that's terrific. And uh, how are you, Mo McCackie's going? <laughs> uh, there's, uh, there's some uh, people that are definitely faltering and struggling, uh, coach included. I'd love to see Eddie's. He he wouldn't end up with a big handlebar moustache, I don't think. It has a slight green tint to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, it's it's you know a great what? cause. Great cause. Fantastic work, gents. So just a reminder, uh, John, how do we how do we um help support it? Yeah, just go to uh, www.movember.com. Uh, you can uh, click on the donate icon. Uh, you'll search for a team, uh, and we're under uh, Eagles XV uh, as a team. And um, from there, you just fill in your details. And uh, obviously, it's a charity, so uh, you can claim that on your taxes if you uh, so like. Uh, if not, you know, a couple of dollars definitely helps out and goes a long way. Hey, John, one of the other things is you, you, you guys, the Eagles through uh, Dallin Stanford, who many of you know as Pocky, have a website where you keep, uh, keep people abreast of what you're doing and your updates. And, you know, you guys kind of, you know, it's kind of like an Eagles thing. If you could just t- tell us that website so that people can start to go there and, and, uh, and take a look at what, you know, if you want to follow your, your favorite Eagle, can't always, it's, you know, not every little story is posted on Rugby Mag. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff that's on your site. Could you give yourself a little plug there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a site uh, that the players um, sort of manage. It's um, EaglesXV.com. Um, so the Eagles 15 site is basically, uh, I guess, more or less a backstage pass uh, for uh, you know uh, fans and followers of uh, the Eagles uh, as we move towards the World Cup. And um, you know we've got. Now, a lot of interesting things, travel blogs, uh, updated quite frequently, um, and you can follow us and, uh, you know, our individual takes on what's happening and, uh, you know, and sort of uh, get behind the scenes. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty neat way to uh, to check us out. And Louis Stanfield can actually spell. He does, Mike Tolkien might do his grammar for him, but, you know, he, he actually does does come off as somebody who can spell. Kevin? Bronk and I always do a part of the show. Yes. I gotta stop. I gotta stop yelling. Bronk and I always do a part of the show, where Las Vegas Sevens, USA Sevens, you gotta be there. And I mean, and if you were there last year, you would have seen Kevin swearing come off the field. Marco Barnard, Kevin swearing. The emotion was flowing. Gets down on his knees and begs his girlfriend to become his fiance. And if you were there, you would have seen that. In Vegas, the only thing missing was you didn't go to the Elvis Chapel to finish it off. But you got to be there. Kevin, come on, tell us. Give us, give the fans a reason to want to go to USA 7s. That's exactly why they got to come next year because you never know what happens. Maybe we'll just pull it off in Vegas and finish, top it off right there. <laughs> you got to be there. Yeah, just 
come the sevens are it's a great venue it's an amazing uh amazing tournament to just see so much rugby and uh you know internationals from all over so yeah come check out the sevens support the usa you know there's nothing better than having a home crowd behind you uh playing in a tournament so uh it was, it was part of the reason we were able to win the bowl last year Kevin Swearin and uh, John Vandergeusen, thank you very much from, for joining us from Eagles Camp tonight. Appreciate it. Good luck with the tour, and let's hope that uh, there's a lot of success for the Eagles. And good luck with the website too. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thanks, guys. So there they are, Bruce. Uh, great fellas to speak to, and um, we wish them well on the trip. Yeah, they're they're going to do well on this trip, and 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 I think it's I think it's going to be an important important game starting out i think that these four games as they said they have they have a month together to gel before they before they return for the churchill cup in late may and june and then really get themselves prepped for the world cup this is this is it for them they need they need to do this so alex what are you thinking well you know you know what struck me is that uh it wasn't that long ago just a couple of years ago that that i was uh calling Kevin Swearin every week just to find out how St. Mary's did. Uh, and, and he was just a, a kid who'd started playing rugby a few years before, really not that long. And, you know, he, he was just a college rugby player, a good one, but a college rugby player. And, and through his own hard work and through getting on the sevens program and being able to play internationally on sevens, and by the way, he'd never played sevens before when he made the, the sevens national team. He not only became a star, but he got a he got a professional contract. That all stuff all happened within the space of a couple of years, and then John Vandergeesen, who was was nobody, he was playing rugby in Idaho, and he decided he was going to go to New Zealand. Then he decided he was going to go to France. He did all that stuff on his own, and then came back and and started playing on the All Star competitions, which we don't have anymore, and I wish we had. But he he came back. He did all this work and worked his way up to the point that this year he captained the United States. Not a, you know just really three years ago he was nobody. Nobody had really paid that much attention to him at all. And, and now he's I mean he's a professional and and a major part of the national team. I'm just really impressed with those guys just as individuals for what they put into it. And if those are the, those are the kinds of guys we have on the national team, that. Didn't Swearin captain the sevens team as well? Yep, absolutely. I, I think captain, this year he captained yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he again he went from not having played, not having played sevens, to by the by the end of that first season he captained the team because Chris Wilds had to leave. It's incredible. Well, there's been a lot of interesting stuff that happened, Alex, in college rugby, because. The, you know, college has now kind of got its little dichotomy between the college Premier League and then there's some, there's a Division One in college rugby also that, has, at least in the East Coast, is there's a couple questions have been answered this weekend. And if you could just talk us through some of those questions that have been answered by the uh, the Gophers and I don't know what they would call the Bowling Green State guys, but Bowling Green has had Falcons, a very, they, they have very storied, yeah rugby career it's actually 
you know, they're one of the teams that most people would have expected to join the college Premier League. But I think that they also they they understood who they were and what they were and, and chose to kind of feel it out for a year or two to see if they if they belong. So you could talk us through what happened. Well, this yeah, weekend. well, well, Bowling Green made the exactly the right decision not to go in the Premier League because they felt they couldn't do it. And that is exactly the right decision. If you don't feel you're up to being in the in the college Premier League, don't try. So they've been ranked number one on RugbyMag.com pretty much every weekend. Uh, they've won every game except for one. They lost a, a single point game to, to Notre Dame that they should have uh, done. But you know what? I, I'm really impressed with Notre Dame also because they lost their best player, Rocco Maurer, a huge uh, potential player. He could have been on the US 7s team. Uh, he's injured his shoulder. And they still won their uh, conference this past weekend. So we have a bunch of different uh, uh, seeds going to the new Division I National Championship. 16 teams go in. Um, New York State has a seed. University of Buffalo, lovely Buffalo, New York, Nickel City, they already won their league and they're already in. This past weekend, it, it's supposed to be the Ivy League champion goes in, but one of those teams in the Ivy League, Dartmouth, is a college Premier League team, and they won uh, the Ivy League easily, so they're not going to go in the Division One uh, playoffs because they go off to the College Premier League. So they had a four-team playoff this past weekend at Columbia University to figure out who goes into uh, that seed in the Division One playoffs, and that was won by Harvard. So Harvard won goes through there. In New England, Northeastern has won their league there, so they're they're doing fine. Um, and in uh, Met New York, it came down to Stony Brook against Southern Connecticut, uh, and and. And Stony Brook had, had won two games to sort of launch themselves into this game where it was whoever won would go in. Southern Connecticut won that game fairly convincingly. They're in to their uh, – and those four teams, that's the east bracket for the playoffs. We also have Bowling Green winning the Midwest East. And uh, I, I think the big surprise is probably University of Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, beating – uh, Wisconsin in the final of the Midwest West. That was the only one of all those teams that I mentioned where RugbyMag.com got the predictions wrong. Uh, we thought that Wisconsin, who had a better pack, especially better in the scrum, would uh, sort of put a stranglehold on a fairly young Minnesota team. But as it turned out, the game went more towards sort of a wide game and, and, and Minnesota's lineout was clicking, so Minnesota won that game. And then the other, uh, uh, one more bracket left, and the Midwest East Conference gets, gets another uh, seed, and that's the runner-up. Now, everybody was expecting that to be Davenport University, the new varsity program. Davenport University finishes second to Bowling Green, so it all seems like that's going to make sense. And now we have, last minute, there's some talk about maybe there's going to be a uh, challenge match between the third-place team, Miami of Ohio, and Davenport and they're going to play each other for that seed. I think that's kind of rotten to do that in the middle of the season, to, to have a team think they make the national championship, and Davenport were, thought they'd made it, and then turn around and say, well, no, you, you haven't made it. You've got to win one more game. I think that kind of stinks. Uh, Kruger van Bignon, the uh, head coach at Davenport, uh, said basically, well, if we have to play one more game, we'll play it. We're happy to play it, and good for him. But I think it's kind of crummy to do that. So that's what we've got so far. We've got seven teams, sort of seven teams ready to go. We've got nine teams to figure out. Most of those are going to come in the spring. All right, there he is, Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com. Get that, Bruce. 
Got it, Rugbymag.com. Rugbymag.com. I can't believe I messed that up. And then I looked and I saw. Well, hey, Ewan said on Rugger Matrix International, he's looking for some seven. He's looking for some number sevens from the sevens program. Hmm. I, I believe he said that dead out. So obviously there are people looking at the sevens program at the highest level. And, and it, it is critical. You got to be there, Bronk. And I'm sure you're going to be there making your way through Vegas. If I went to Vegas, it would be very hard to get me to the rugby, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll make the best effort possible. All right. Uh, no, of course I'd be there all over it. They have sh- shuttle buses, shuttle buses. Mm, mm. And they pour the beer from the bottom. It's kind of cool. Like they, they put the cup down and the beer comes up from the bottom, and it's like, how did they do that? And you're sitting there drunk going, how did they do that? And it's like a magnet on it, so it's kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of cool. So you mm. just sit there like in a trance as you buy your beer. <laughs> and then you buy more and you get into a bigger trance. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, Bruce, thanks for joining us, um, and good luck with your continued recovery. Thank you. And that is it for episode 40 of Rugger Matrix America. Uh, don't forget, Rugger Matrix International, as Bruce said, we're moving into episode 97 this week. And, of course, uh, clubrugby.com.au, we will have a season review. And I know a lot of people in the States listen to that program, either expats or people interested in the game uh, down under. So that will be coming up shortly. So the numbers are adding up. That is it for 40. We'll speak to you next week on Rugger Matrix America. And don't forget rugbymag.com for all your rugby news.